In today's episode of the Makers and Nerds podcast, you'll find out how Paul Young went from one 3D printer as a hobby to over 130 printers printing a variety of things. So let's get to it. Welcome to another episode of the Makers and Nerds podcast, where I chat with makers and nerds all about their passions and hobbies and how they are making money with it. I'm your host, Marcelo Lewin, a maker and a nerd. You can always get a hold of me right there, Marcelo at makersandnerds.com. In today's episode, you'll learn from Paul Young how he went from one 3D printer just for fun and made it a real business with over 130 3D printers, printing a variety of game-related items. But before I bring him on, I just want to remind you to go check out makersandnerds.com for more podcast episodes. And always get a hold of me right there, Marcelo at makersandnerds.com. Paul Young, welcome to the Makers and Nerds podcast. Glad to have you here. Thanks. It's good to be here. Uh, we met at the Comic-Con, uh, what is it called? Comic-Con Revolution? Uh, yes, uh, in Ontario. In Ontario, right, exactly. Yes. We met there. Um, I was passing by your booth and I saw a bunch of 3D printed stuff and my son is big time into 3D printing. I just got into it. I remember you showing me a very cool video of your workshop, which we're going to get into. Uh, but uh, tell us, uh, um, basically, you're a 3D printing guy, right? Right now, that's what you're doing. Right. So that's what I do for a living. It's my full-time job. Um, I started a business to make games, and it turned out to be something quite different. We just followed what uh, people were looking for and uh, ended up making a lot of different things on a 3D printer. And then uh, that turned into more 3D printers and more and more. So that's kind of where we're at right now is we're a 3D printing company. So let's go back a little bit because I ask everybody the same question, first of all. Do you consider yourself a maker or a nerd or both? Um, I consider myself both. Um, I love the the nerd um, aspect. I love... Um, being a fan of of things like the Lord of the Rings and digging deep into the storylines and and uh, the characters and their motivations, uh, so I feel like I've got the nerd aspect um, on that side. And then um, I love to create. Um, I love to be uh, putting out new things that I've made, and then to take that and um, to be able to 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 see people light up. Uh, with the things that I've made, uh, right. it really, it really f- gives me fulfillment there. So, yeah, totally. So, um, what do you nerd out mo- uh, most on? Like, if you have to pick something, what's the thing you would nerd out most on? It's funny because um, at this moment, I like to nerd out about the things that my children haven't seen yet. Um, some of these big worlds that we've had uh, built over the last few decades, mm-hmm. Harry Potter. Right. Um, you know, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, all of these things that they haven't heard about. They may they may have heard about them, but they haven't seen them yet. So um, what really gets me excited is to be able to introduce my kids to those worlds oh, that's as cool. well. So I was a fan of them before. And now to be uh, introducing those to my kids uh, makes it even more so. Do you have all the toys or do you get the toys for them or all the collectibles? Uh, or Right now, they're mostly Pokemon. 
So um, a lot of times <laughs> they they help me out in the convention booths, and uh, and uh, the attendees will ask, "Are you getting paid for this?" Right, and uh, they say, "I get paid in Pokemon cards." I see. That's funny. I remember when my kids were little, uh, Pokemon was also pretty big back then. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, okay. So you got into, um, so we established you're definitely a nerd and now we're going to get into the maker part of things, right? Um, you got into 3d printing. How did you get into that? Well, uh, it's, it's a rather long and wild, wound, winding, uh, tale. Um, we got time. It's okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Uh, I wanted to make something that um, I could use my creativity, something that I could um, have sort of on the side to help um, to, you know, help out the finances, do something just on the side so I could see a little bit more income than the job I was in. It started out as me wanting to be a music major because I loved writing music. Uh, In high school, I I, uh, composed a song that we did at our senior concert and i thought my life was going in that direction that i would be writing music um, i could build um, lots of um, emotion with the music that i was writing and that i would somehow get a job uh, doing that for a living using that creativity Mm -hmm. Um, it didn't happen it didn't happen but um i was uh we we were um expecting our first child and uh, it kind of hit me all at once that um, music isn't going to support my family at this point. Uh, it was more of a hobby. And so I ended up doing hard labor. Uh, you know, I was uh, driving trucks and lifting heavy things for 12 years um, after that. Um, and it was just to support my family. It was something that, you know, it paid the bills, but it wasn't right. what I was passionate about doing. So um, during that time, I wrote three books. Um, I, I, ch- I changed my focus to writing fantasy novels. And then oh, wow. um, I, I got through three of those and it was very fulfilling, but it didn't pay the bills. Um, and, and that's okay, you know, because I was just putting my work out there. Uh, then the transition came to making board games because that's something that I could do with my family. I didn't have to lock myself in a room. Uh, right. And so I started designing board games and came out with like a, a bunch of different ideas and fun things. And one of them really stuck. I started going to conventions, demoing the board game, the prototype that I had. And um, I, I needed a way to keep track of health and had this little gadget that I got at one of the conventions that I was playing with. It was 3D printed. And um, I kind of had an idea to put numbers on that gadget and start using that as a way to track the health in the, in the game that I was in the game. Right. Yeah. And I started showing that to people. I thought it was a really fun gadget. It was a little fidget spinner that counted upward from zero to 20. And um, I started showing it to people and it turned out that that little gadget was more interesting uh, at the time to, to the people than the actual game. And so, um, so then I started uh, making more of those and um, you, with a 3D printer. So did you do the original one? Did you print the original one or did you buy it from somebody first? Um, I bought it from somebody uh, okay. at a convention. They had 3D printed things. It was five bucks for this little right. spinner thing. So then you decided to print it, print more of those. Yeah. I had a buddy who was into 3D printing. I, had no, I knew nothing about it, uh, but he was going to school to be an engineer. 
And uh, I asked him if he could make one for me with these parameters in mind. And together we worked on it, yeah. formed a prototype, and started from there, um, printing more, showing them to more people, getting more ideas. Right. And then it, it was just more and more people were looking for it. So then you got into 3D printing itself. At that point, yeah, it, it turned uh, less of a focus on the game and more of a focus on creating the these 3D. fun little gadgets yeah. that people were looking for. So, I mean, that that's an interesting journey. That's a, an amazing journey, right? I mean, you did, like you said, hard labor, truck driver, you got into writing. Obviously, you are a creative person, you know, at heart, right? That's mm -hmm. that's what you like to do. Um so and and then you got into 3D printing. Hard, hard, how hard was it to get into 3D printing? Because you know I'm getting into it myself now, and I'm like, whoa, this is could be complicated. I think it. I think there was a lot of stumbling blocks. You know, I tripped over a lot of things on my way to get to where I am. Right. Um, 3D printing, I feel, is an acquired skill, meaning it's not just pushing a button and walking right. away. It's so many skills, do, actually. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. It's being able to understand. Uh, 3D code and looking at models and understanding how that's going to affect what the printer's going to do. Um, there's a lot of different things that go into it. And I didn't know a lot of that when we started, yeah. but as we gradually uh, move forward, um, I started learning more and more and taking that knowledge and turning it into something that I was able to um, apply to all of our printers. As we got more printers, it, it just got to a point where um, looking at something I could understand what was going on and sure. instead of just crossing my fingers and, and, and did that um uh help with the creative itch when you went I think into it when, did. yeah it's a problem solving thing it's uh right. knowing because that that's what creativity that is almost right it's problem yeah. solving i had um, a band teacher a very inspirational guy and one of the things i remember that he said was writing music at this point i was looking at mm -hmm. writing music but it can be applied to a lot of things um, so for instance, solving, uh, learning how to 3d print is a process of making decisions, right. um, starting from one thing and saying, okay, what's the best decision to move forward and then trying that and seeing if that is actually the right thing. Or if, you know, maybe I made that the wrong decision, let's try something else. Right. And it's a process of making decisions. How do I want this uh, 3d print to come out to look, I'm going to make the decision to do the right steps in into that. So it's, I love that. I love what he said about that. It's, it's fantastic. And what I like here is that you really, uh, you took a passion. It wasn't a passion for 3d printing. It was just a passion for being creative and doing something creative with your life as a, as a full-time job and made it a full-time job. Right. So right. how do we go from that one printer? when you were starting out, right? Now you have over 130 printers. You have a really cool video, which you showed your, your entire workshop, which is really cool. I think it's on TikTok. But how did you go from that? Because that, that's, that's a pretty sizable business, maybe not in people numbers, but definitely in, in uh, equipment numbers. Sure. Uh, we had one printer to start out with. And uh, when people were asking about making more of these counters a lot of people started asking about dice as well and dice are huge mm. in in the the, the nerd space and uh, the D, D scene yeah and so uh i wasn't a D, D player um i just knew that i could make this cool thing that maybe other people would like uh i 
uh, started making the dice. It got up to two printers because we wanted to make sure we had, um, a, you know, double the production, I right. suppose, from one to two. And we put out a Kickstarter just to see how that would work. You know, we just asked for a thousand bucks. We ended up uh, getting 16,000. Oh, wow. Kickstarter. Yeah. And, and the Kickstarter and was uh, focused on what? Creating on what? The, the dice. The dice. So it was focused. Dice. Got it. Okay. So uh, let's focus a little bit. I don't mean to interrupt you, but it's really sure. interesting there because I didn't know you did that actually. How, what do you feel that Kickstarters are really a great way to, I mean, kickstart your hobby into a business? And how did you go? You wanted a thousand, you got 16K. How, what kind of marketing did you do? I mean, like, how did it happen? So I feel that um, getting into that dice space, I didn't realize how much uh, we were going to get from the Kickstarter. And it was very surprising to me when it came yeah. out to be 16,000. Um, I, I like the um, being able to to put something out that you created, obviously, is, is a big thing. Kickstarter is going to be, uh, you know, pretty strict on things. It's got to be something that you've made. That's something right. that, you know, not somebody else has made. And so um, I came out with a unique product that nobody had seen before dice that are fidget spinners and uh, the dice community jumped on it. Um, mm. I wasn't prepared for, for the amount of orders that we were getting. Uh, two printers is not a lot to be able to It's not uh, fill those orders. It doesn't double your production. No, no it doesn't. <laughs> And um, so I think that uh, the marketing we did for Kickstarter, a lot of Facebook ads, um, just seeing the result of the first few days got us really excited. And then we thought, okay, we were funded in, I think it was 17 hours. Um, you know, there are people on Kickstarter who are scrolling for new, new types of dice, and this definitely fit the category. Definitely people who didn't want to fund the Kickstarter, even though they were dice collectors, because they believed yeah. they weren't true you know, true dice. So, but uh, the fun and interesting part about it, I think is what uh, drew people in. And uh, it was great. We had 350 backers uh, and uh, Kickstarter is very um, lenient, not lenient, um, like forgiving when it comes mm -hmm. to fulfilling orders. You know, you have some time, but two printers wasn't going to cut it. Right. And um, so we made the decision to get up to 12 printers is where we started. The first jump was So you went two from printers. 2 to 12. Wow. To 12, yep. That's um, a big jump. And, and it, it is, actually. And a lot yeah. of people, even if I said I had 12 printers, it's more than what other people have. Oh, yeah. Um, we have four. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we were working on these, um, fulfilling these orders yeah. for the next six months, trying to get all of those done and out the door. COVID hit right in the middle of that. It was March, 2020. Uh, we did our, our Kickstarter in November, 2019. Mm -hmm. So as like right in the middle of that, we were having a lot of um, shipping issues with our materials. Uh, it was hard to get the, the right colors that we were advertising we could fulfill. And then um, COVID hits all in the middle of this. So the world's turned upside down. Yeah. Um, people need face shields. We started printing some face shields in our downtime right. while we were waiting for uh, supplies to come for the rest of our orders. And it was about June that we ended up fulfilling everything uh, and getting that uh, taken care of, you know, squared away. So um, what was the feedback of the people? Because did people get mad because they weren't getting it? Were you being, ex explain to us how you handled that setback, because it's a setback, right? 
How, how did Definitely. you handle it uh, with communication? I mean, how, what did you do so people didn't get mad or did people get mad? It wasn't uh, at this point with the Kickstarter. People are, are much more understanding, especially when COVID hits. Right. Uh, you're obviously uh, uh, you're responsible for making sure that those people who don't have their stuff yet are getting it because uh, in our situation, we could get certain people's orders out and they'd start sharing them on TikTok or on uh, social media and other people would be like, I don't have mine yet. Why don't I right, have it? Right. Because most Kickstarters are fulfilled all at once. Like it's just waiting for this to get done. Then right. boom, everything's shipped out for us. It was a very uh, sequential. This order has to get done. And then this order and then this order. And we ship out the 30 orders that we could get done that week and then move on. Right. And keep going. So um, at this point it wasn't a job yet. It was still a hobby. It was still, uh, you know, Kickstarter paid for those 12 printers and our profits weren't, you know, going up anymore. This is just people are waiting for their their orders to be fulfilled. So it was just kind of maintaining where we were at uh, and having our printers up and running and ready to do what other people needed. Um, we set up a website and uh, we set it to where they can do custom orders for for dice and things mm-hmm. and all of those that that would come in. Maybe two or three a month, not anything too crazy. Um, would get tacked onto the end of the Kickstarter. So we still had that going. Uh, but we set up to be able to take a lot of um, online orders. And during COVID, we didn't see a lot of that. Mm-hmm. You know, people were um, a little hesitant to spend their money, you know, for, for COVID. Sure, for obvious reasons, yeah. Yeah. So why did you, why did you decide, I mean, you had a successful Kickstarter. Why did you decide to create a website instead of doing another Kickstarter? Because I know some people do multiple Kickstarters, right? Yeah. We didn't have anything new. Uh, It just seemed Mm. like it was, we had the dice. We just, uh, we got it to as many people as we could. And we thought maybe that was it. Maybe those, that was the only, uh, you know, of all the D and D community that's out there, maybe only those 350 people, Mm-hmm. Uh, were the ones that were going to want this. And so we thought maybe we had, you know, reached our audience. Right. Uh, we were sadly mistaken. I, I guess not sadly mistaken. We were happy. No, no, mistaken. happily mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It would have been the other way around, sadly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay. So yeah. you're, you created a website. Um, did you create it yourself? Did you uh, hire somebody I, outside? What did you I do? Did. What was the process? I, I um. I'm a big fan of watching YouTube videos, learning how to do things by myself if I can. Uh, yeah. There are some things that I can't do, and I will have other people gladly do it for me. Um, but if I could do it myself, I'm going to take the time to do it. Mm-hmm. So I watched YouTube videos on how to create a website on Squarespace, um, set up a shop, uh, upload pictures, create links to, that will go to the shop and to mm-hmm. the different places. And um, I set that up. Uh, in in hopes that a lot of people would go on there and order. Um, but like I said, uh, throughout, uh, it was in January of 2020, throughout 2020, we didn't see hardly any orders. We had maybe 19 orders um, by the time our next big event happened in November of that year. So it, was, it wasn't a lot. It was just fulfilling Kickstarter, focusing on that, really not marketing, just trying to get, you know, get through where we were at. Right. Uh, and then an, another big event hit. I don't know if you want to go to that yet, but um, what was that big event? Uh, one of the Kickstarter backers put up a TikTok video, and that TikTok video uh, got 1.2 million views. Wow! Of your product, 
of our sixty-second uh, commercial for us. Okay, basically. so let's talk. Let's talk about TikTok. This person, um, uh, it, was he a popular person on TikTok, um, or was did it just happen that he created something and all of a sudden you know people found it? I mean, how how did that process go? I think looking at it was it was a girl. Her um, uh, her videos were. Um, around it like her highest video would be probably a hundred thousand views but she would put dice videos out all the time um most of them would get maybe about five thousand views okay Uh, but then you know a a really good one would would get up into the ten thousands the fifty thousands her highest one of all time before our video was a hundred thousand was she a backer of your um kickstarter she was Okay, so she found you through Kickstarter. So, so here's an important thing because it seems like Kickstarters are actually really good for um, finding an audience as well, not just putting the stuff out there, right? Because mm-hmm. you found, um, and obviously, in one of the three fifty was a very important important in the sense of you know their following person, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So once uh, that went out there, that just took off. Yeah, uh, I <laughs> I delivered bread in the morning. And I was taking a nap and I woke up and we had 40 orders on the website. And keep in mind that we had 19 orders right. since January for a full, almost a full year. Uh, 40 orders were on the website. And I came out and I asked my wife, is something wrong with the website? I can't, <laughs> something's going on. And There's a bug on the website. Yeah. <laughs> I thought maybe the website was holding back orders from us. And now people were waiting and you know we were going to have a lot of upset people. All right. And another order came in. And another order came and it just hit, started going um, throughout the night. Orders were coming in. We had no idea what was going on. We didn't know what TikTok was. Uh, We um, got a message from one of the people who said, can you show me the difference between like rose gold and your pink? And I said, yeah, absolutely. But how did you find us? Like what's going on? And she said, oh, lady to put up a TikTok video. So at the time it was, probably 20,000 views when we finally logged on to TikTok, created an account and just saw what was going on. Um, and it was just, we would just watch those numbers go up and up and up. Um, and the orders kept coming in. And in 2000 or uh, in two weeks, we had 2000 orders. After oh my God. I mean, 19 in how many months and, yeah. and then 2000 in, in, in a week. In, in two weeks. Yeah. In two weeks. That's crazy. Yeah. So obviously a lot of them came in the first day and then they've right. they kind of uh, hit a peak, of, right. you know, the next day and then, and then came back. But we were looking at a real problem because here we were again in the same situation as the Kickstarter, 12 printers, 2000 orders. You were still at 12 printers. Wow. Yeah, at this time. Yep. So, so what did you do? Um, I mean, obviously you were happy and then reality yeah. hit. Yes, right? reality hit. 2,000 orders, 12 printers, one guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> we did the math. We did the math. Eight years we would be printing those oh 2,000 orders on our 12 printers. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so, obviously, something had to change. Something had to be, right. um, to be set up to take care of these orders. Because when people, especially in November, that was crucial for a lot of people. They were ordering Because Christmas. of Christmas, yeah. Yep. They were ordering as a gift for someone else. They thought it would be great for the D&D lover in their life. Mm-hmm. And um, that was ta- that was very hard because uh, November, halfway through November, we could not get all those orders out in time for Christmas. In fact, it took us till 
May 1st of the next year Oof. to get all those orders so out. Six, um, seven months. Oh, yeah. About seven months of um, ordering more printers. We rented out a, the basement of an office building where we were living. We set up all those printers. We got the electrical working. And um, for those seven months, I would be I was working two full time jobs. Oh, boy. Um, it turned into me delivering bread from four in the morning to noon. And then from noon, I'd go to the printers and I'd work till 8 p.m. And that was my day every day for wow. seven months. Wow. And uh, a lot of people asked, you know, maybe you should when we got up to about 600 orders, they said, maybe we should cap this. Maybe you should stop it. Stop taking orders. Because right. this is greater than what we can handle. Yeah. And if you just keep letting orders come in, then, you know, we're going to be overwhelmed. And, right. Uh, so, again, that's that decision making. Um, building that business is, is a series of making decisions. And we hope that they're good decisions, right? If you make a decision that doesn't quite work, you back up and try again. But for us, our, the decision was, no, we're going to keep those orders coming in. Mm -hmm. We don't want to borrow any anybody from getting these orders but we're going to change we're going to we're going to buy more printers we're going to put in the extra time and set up everything we need to do to manufacture this um, i have a brother-in-law who works um, construction he has his, uh, a company there and he told us in when he heard all of these things were happening he said you buy the tools you need to get the job done right after you're done with that job you either have new tools or you sell the tools and you make the money back from what, what you paid for them. So um, he said, it, uh, you don't stop. You you say yes to these customers. You get it done as soon as you can with as much effort as you can. So uh, our next jump from printers were 12 printers to 66. Wow. And so that's how many printers we were running during that time from November to May. And I have to say, uh, Paul, that's amazing advice. That's truly amazing advice. Because I've heard people say that all the time. Oh, we're getting too many. This is uh, too much good news. We can't handle it. We can't right. scale, blah, blah, blah. But your take on it is we're not changing them or stopping them. We're going to change and we're going to scale. And I think everybody really needs to, if they really want to make it a business, right? They need to think that way, that you have to adjust. Don't just cap it because the problem is, there's going to be in, in any business, right? There's going to be good times and bad times. And you want to be able to write those bad times, right? Yeah. But you also want to be able to collect a check, right? So you, you want to be able to pay yourself for things that are happening. Right. But at the at that point, we spent those profits on re, uh, uh, building up our business instead of trying to uh, hoard all the money that we could and only do the minimal you know, amount of work. Uh, people were still very upset at some point sure. um, when they realized that the the dice that they ordered in November wasn't coming till April or something like that because most people are used to two day Amazon shipping. It's in the right. mail. It's on. It's on its way. Right. And we just weren't set up to do that. So there was a lot of communication. About thirty emails a day. I would sit down and answer and say, "I'm sorry. This is where we're at. We're working hard. We know that we are aware of you, and we're going to make it happen. Uh, here's our time frame." Here's what we feel we can do in the next few months. And we stayed on top of that. Um, if there was anything that went out of those parameters that I set up, I'd send a, another email and say, I'm sorry, it's still taking a little bit longer. And I spent, you know, an hour to two hours a day 
uh, just answering emails. Well, here's sure another important thing you're saying that I'm hearing is communication is really important, right? Because I think um, as long as you keep people, um, give them information, in, in general, they should be okay, right? What was your count? Did you have a, a high cancel rate, even with people uh, you communicated? Less than, yeah, less than 1%. Exactly. Actually, See? actually so the, count, count, canceled. Yeah. But if you would have not communicated, you would say, forget it, we'll just deliver when we deliver. I bet you it would have been mm -hmm. much, much higher, right? I believe that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so communication is extremely important. Yeah. So, okay. And so now we're. People know. Yeah. No, go ahead, finish. Oh, just, just letting people know that uh, we are a small business. This is not something that we have a big. Uh, at At that point, I guess you could say it was a bigger production line, but. It's not something that we have a lot of surplus yeah. in inventory or can just whip it up real quick for you and send it out. Uh, 3D printers are slow and yeah. it takes days for one order to get done exactly. uh, on one printer. So, and sometimes they uh, mess trying... up, so you got to restart that order. Yes, yes, they do. Yeah. So, uh, I have plenty of proof of that. <laughs> mm hmm. Yep. Okay, so we're at 66 printers. Uh, give us a, I have other questions that I want to get to. So give us a real quick, how did you go from 60? Was there another big event that went from 66? Now you're at 130. So that's double. Almost. 130. Yeah, right, actually more double. than double. What we, yeah. Uh, so uh, May, we fulfilled all the orders. By the time we were done with those uh, 2,000 orders, there was another 1,000 orders that had come in. Wow. So it took us till May to get to the 3,000 finally get done and caught up with everybody who had ordered. And that was when I made the decision to quit my job. So uh, if we could continue this and roll it, roll with it, then um, we could sustain ourselves on the 66 printers. Uh, we moved back home. We're from Idaho. Uh, we moved back home and rented out an old carpet store, uh, upgraded again the electricity, and started running these prints, uh, these, um, these printers with uh, more of the orders that were coming in, but it had slowed way down. We mm -hmm. had more capacity than uh, we did orders. So it was hard to know how to keep these orders or to keep the printers running. Uh, so we shifted tactics and started uh, asking people around, what do you need? A game store that was local, I said, what do you need? Is there something that we can make for you? A dice display stand, um, mm. you know, what, what are some things that people want? And, um, that's where we started making new products from from the things that we had, um, and and we kept our, our printers full in um, R and D, uh, just trying to to make new things and see how it goes until we had something again that we needed to print. Right. Um, and we keep making TikTok videos, and things are things are gradual, gradually doing okay. And uh, we went to some conventions, and that's when things started to heat up again. Um, we had been to a convention before and just seeing and meeting people in the retail space who wanted to put the, our products in their stores were really fun and fascinating and they would make big orders, right. To fill up their store. And so right. all of a sudden we were, we weren't hunting those small orders anymore. We were hunting the big wholesale orders, which we didn't make as much on per product, but we were at least making something and, uh, filling that up, uh, filling that space. Um, the, I guess the kicker came when um, there was a design that was dropped uh, earlier this year uh, that were dragons. And that's what you saw uh, when we yeah, met. We had right. a booth full of dragons, right? Um, the designer had given um, the rights um, 
you know, sold the rights to a lot of different people to print and sell them on any platform they wanted. Mm-hmm. So uh, we started selling them on TikTok. Uh, it, it just made sense that we had all these printers. We could make a bunch of dragons, sell them all. And like we had talked about, uh, not many people have the, the capacity that we have. So they were also getting orders from everyone on TikTok who wanted to get these dragons, but we could make them faster. So they were backed up for three months where we were just waiting for an order to come in. We'll print it and ship it right there. Right. And it got, it got to a point where we needed to increase printers again and again and again. And it just made more sense to just, we need more printers. We need more printers. So um, when we had talked, um, we hadn't ordered. It wasn't till last week that we ordered up to the 130 printers. Um, but it's just situational. You know, we, we tried to make sure that um, what we have for printers, they're all mm-hmm. busy and they stay busy for some, somehow. So yeah. anyway, it's solving problems, trying to figure so out. So are they all busy those. now? They are, yeah. Um, okay. We, we've got uh, nine conventions in a row. You were, I met you at the second convention in a row of nine. Um, every weekend is a new convention for us right now. Right. So uh, right now we're in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, tomorrow we pack up our RV and we we're headed to Dallas. I see. And then we're going to North Carolina, then Denver, then Chicago before we get home. So, so conventions are really important part of marketing. And even are, are do you sell at conventions or is it mainly marketing? Uh, we sell. Yeah, you sell. Because, so it's a very because, important part of your sales strategy. Yeah. So we have a production line back in Idaho who keeps making these, keeps the printers busy. And the way that we get rid of all this inventory is we take it to the people to see, to hold, to try, to feel. And then um, they pick it up and we sell it and move on to the next convention. We have more inventory there. And um, that's where we've seen most of the sales uh, for these dragons are uh, at, at convention centers. And, you know, I think that's one more thing that I could that I could post as, as to how to run a business is to yeah. if you can't get the product to the people uh they can't see it so instead of sitting at home and just waiting for orders to come in we're out um showing it to the people getting finding places where people who are interested in these things gather and right. being there for them well i i feel that you are a very proactive person so you don't wait around for anything whether it's uh more orders coming in i'm gonna scale the printers i'm not gonna stop Mm -hmm. it or uh we're not selling enough i'm gonna go out there and sell more so i think that's a very important lesson right there too right is um going from a hobby which is just if we sell anything great if not who cares to a real business you've got to be proactive you've got to you've you've got to for like a word hustle out there right yeah (laughs) i mean you've got to do that right so yeah and and that's what i felt when i quit my job right there goes all of our uh health insurance benefits all of our you know monthly income that we're using to pay our bills all of a sudden it's on me right and so i need to make sure that i'm doing everything i can to to be able to pay those bills now instead yeah. of you know letting somebody else pay me some money for you know delivering bread right 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 uh paul i've got like literally a hundred more questions i know i'm not going to get to them all um but um (laughs) yeah but this has been a really fascinating conversation i really enjoyed it to be honest um so for people that are going from hobby to business tell them are you still enjoying it 
like you did when it was a hobby? I I do enjoy it. Okay. I, I enjoy it because um, the decisions I get to make are my own. Okay. Um, I get to decide where to go from here and how to grow or to, you know, hold back and then, and then let the, the business, um, like I just get to make those decisions for myself. Right. And, um, that's what keeps the enjoyment coming for me. I do love to see people, um, l- their faces light up when they see what I've made. And, and that is very fulfilling for sure. Definitely. Um, so uh, a couple of things about your customers. Do you have a list? Do you keep a list of people sign up, subscribe to a newsletter? How do you how do you market to current customers? Or do you market to current customers? Um, the only thing that we do in that regard is mm-hmm. um, an email. It's not a it's not a, a newsletter, I suppose. It's uh, all customers that have ordered through our website. We have access to do an email campaign to everybody and just say, "Hey, this is a new item. You know, Got if you're it. interested in this." And that would be our current customer basis or our current customer base. Um, and so we use email marketing campaigns in that way to just reach out to people who have bought from us before, who know us, um, know we make good things and yeah. say, this is a new thing. If you'd like it, you know, it's all on the website. So. And what is the, the conversion rate for purchases on, on that? Do you track that at all? Um, I think along the website it says something about twenty eight percent. I'm not. Oh, sure that's what pretty that good. That's actually is. really is that good. A good. That's yeah. a good conversion rate. That's definitely good. Um, yeah, it's not yeah. something that I've been actively tracking. So, um, but if I if I take, uh, you know, more um, attention to that, um, maybe that I can find some uh, better tools to help yeah. you from here on out. So yeah, totally. I'm still learning. Yeah. You know what? It's a continuous learning thing, right? It's, I mean, it never stops. Um, so, um, let's end this by asking you, what would you recommend anybody that's listening to you and now says, Oh, I got to get some, you know, person to do a TikTok video and not become a millionaire. Um, (laughs) what's your, your tip for it? Look, you're going from hobby. You want to take your hobby and go do a business. What's the most important thing they should do? Or um, not do whatever you prefer is better. I would say don't be afraid to fail in an idea. Um, if you have an idea and you want to try it out, really work hard at it and see how it goes. But then step back and analyze it and say, is this working or do I need to try something else? Um, it's It was not a, a overnight success for us. It seems like it with a TikTok video, but we had been setting up for years. Um, to get a business to where right. it, uh, to where it was, the TikTok video definitely boosted it. Um, but we were already set up. We had already tried and failed at quite a few things um, to get new products to you know have different ideas. And um, again, like uh, I, I wanted to write music. I wrote books. I started doing board games, uh, and I was I wouldn't say that I failed at those, but I but I've um, set those aside. Yeah. Um, it, they they were my passion. That's great, and you know maybe I'll be able to continue those as time goes on. But um, you have to go with what people want, and so that's um, I, I guess that would be it. It's like don't be afraid to fail, but also um, ask people what they need, what they want, and then put in the work to get it for them. Yep, 
definitely. That's some great advice. So Paul, thank you so much for being here. Um, on the screen, I'm showing your email address. Is that the best way to get a hold of you, or do you want to give a different URL as well? Um, email's great. I love I love just the email. Um, our website is p uh, pyegames.com, pygames.com, and um, we have our TikTok that uh, that we do videos every now and then, uh, and that's just at pygames. So you're finally on TikTok. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we made the jump after. I got to tell you, I'm on. I I created the account. I still don't get TikTok, but I know it's popular. I have to. I'm I'm just an old guy. I think that's that's all it is. I I have to figure that out. But yeah, I, I heard good things about it. At least for for, sure. for for a very focused audience, right? Yeah, definitely. Paul, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and remember to check out more episodes just like this one at makersandnerds.com. And like always, if you want to get a hold of me, go ahead and email me right there, marcello at makersandnerds.com. So until the next episode, cheers. Cheers.